Awesome. Well, good morning. Good morning, Josiah. Yeah, so good to be with you this morning. Be back again for second time. Again. Haley. Haley. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Faith that you learn to actually understand. Right? Because the issue is we're coming to a living God that exists and who speaks and that who rewards those that seek after them. So I have to first come to the Bible and say, this is the word of God. Persuade me of the truth. Speak to me. Teach me your ways, O oh God. Lead, direct me into the way that's good and right. I need to see it. I need to know it. I need to be convicted. I need to be compelled. I need to be inspired. I need to see truth in a way that moves me to action, that reframes how I think, how I speak, how I live, how I prioritize. Amen? So when I'm reading my Bible, I need to come with faith. When I'm sitting amongst the saints and I'm listening to the scriptures, I need to add faith to what I'm hearing, if it indeed is the word of God. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Amen. We need to add faith. Otherwise, it's like flatlined. There's no life. There's no energy. It just hits your head and falls off. And there's no energy to change you. Right? And when we gather, man, we want to come with faith and expectancy. Hear the gospel in a way that benefits us. I don't want to hear the word and go out and say, oh, that was nice. And go about my way unchanged. The kingdom is about being perpetually changed from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith in great levels of faith. The kingdom is always vexing. So we want to be humble, teachable, contrite. We want to see the things that cause us to stumble. We want to walk in the way that is good. We want to walk in the way of rest. And we want to walk in the wisdom of heaven. Teach us your ways that we might walk in your paths. Don't leave us to our own ideas. Don't leave us to ourselves, oh God. Grant us today a spirit of wisdom. Grant us today a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you. That we might walk in a manner that's pleasing and worthy of you in every detail and respect of our life. May we walk in the fear of the Lord. We love you. We honor you today. We commit the rest of our gathering in to your care. Continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name. We had a pretty awesome prayer furnace uh, Wednesday night, and I believe the Lord really spoke some key instruction, and I want to speak into that and build off of that. And I felt the Lord dropped on me a very specific challenge for this community. Uh, specifically, something like a 90-day challenge of transformative speech where you're only allowed to speak what is right and good and true. Only allowed to speak the purposes and promises of God over your life, over your family, over this community, over this region. Because language is important, as we're going to get into. But he wants to release transformative speech and teach us to live in and release the wisdom of God that ushers us into the rest of God. Rest of soul and the peace of the gospel prevailing not only over this your life in this community, but over the region. But it starts with, with what we believe and the things that we say. Okay? So this morning, I went for a walk early this morning to just pray and sit with the Lord. And I was walking past this little park, and there was this picnic table. There's multiple picnic tables, but this one specifically, I'm walking by, and I just happened to catch this, the perfect angle of the light that allowed me to see this huge 
spider web that was there. It was massive. And if I took one step back, I wouldn't see it. Totally obscured from my vision. Right? Everyone knows what I'm talking about, where there's times where you just don't see it. Sometimes you just run right into it and you get a face full of webs or, you know, spider webs or cotton, whatever. You know? But there's just the right angle that allows you to see a web, an entanglement, right? And the Lord kind of quickened this to me. And, you know, because there's areas of entanglements, not only in our lives, but sometimes over a, over a region, over a community. But let's take it down right down to your own heart, your own life, and this, this community here. There's entanglements that that are present, that we don't always see, but that prevail right over the place of fellowship. That actually kind of hinder the place of fellowship and intimacy, not only with God, but with each other. There's things that can hinder us, entangle us, cause us to stumble that we are not even aware of. And I quoted that proverb the other day that, you know, sometimes the wicked, they, they continue to stumble because they don't see what makes them stumble. But the righteous, you know, their path, it says, is continually lit up to a perfect day. It's brighter and brighter. God's intention is that we walk in the light as he is in the light so that there be no cause of stumbling. No cause of stumbling in our life, in our community, in our relationships. God wants us to walk in confidence and freedom and be perpetually moving in his purposes, right? Always taking progress, not feeling stuck and bound, and oppressed, and boxed, and stifled, and nothing able to prosper, nothing able to take root. God wants us to advance and do well in life and in the kingdom. His purpose is to bless you, to do you good, and to use you in very significant ways for your family, your household, your posterity, let alone this region. God has plans for you, and there's things that there is real spiritual war. There's contention. There's real spiritual warfare. Now, and we're not just going to advocate and say, well, it's all the enemy's fault. No, because the enemy has no hold on us unless we have abdicated and given over right. our rights. That's right. And there's things that we can deliver ourselves from. There's things that only God can do, and there's things that you and I must do. You know, the scripture says, deliver yourself, shake yourself from the dust. Loose yourself from the bonds around your neck because you sold yourself into slavery. Okay, there's times when the Lord has to intervene and there's other times when the Lord says, no, you know what you need to be doing. You need to do it because you have put yourself in bondage. You have put yourself in this situation. You've gotten yourself into trouble and you must deliver yourself by taking the right actions, by thinking a new thought, by renouncing lies, by putting off an old way of living or thinking or doing and by putting on the new. That is our responsibility because Jesus will never die again. He has died one time for all men forever. The cross was sufficient and he said, my work is finished here. All things you could ever need for life and for godliness and your purpose in this earth for your small amount of time, he has already provided for you in Christ. The issue is alignment of our life with that reality. And when we line up in a way of what we believe and what we say and what we do, breakthrough happens. And even when there's resistance, it's because the Lord's still trying to teach you how to walk in authority, how to enforce truth, how to be conformed to the image of Christ in the process, how to submit to God, how to resist the devil firm in your faith and he will flee. 
There's always something the Father's trying to teach you. He's Lord over all, but there's things that we have to deliver ourselves from. And like I said, often we sell ourselves into slavery without even knowing it. It become, It's subtle little leavens that ruin the whole lump. It's the little things that we get comfortable with or that we tolerate that God says you must have an attitude of no toleration. You must be spiritually aggressive, alert, ready to take action, sober, watchful in your prayers. We are called to live a life alive, vibrant, with clarity in our mind, clarity in our spirit, keeping your lamps burning, filled, ready for action, the scripture says. This, we're meant to live in this way, not drunken and weighed down with the cares of this life where we're just bound by tunnel vision or what's around us or the weight of the age. No, friends. Those are those that live in darkness. We're not like that. We are children of light. We're meant to live awake, alert, clear about our purpose, our identity, the truth, knowing whom we belong to, right? And begin to not, not only just maintain our own life, but begin to release that to those around us, to set captives free. Come on. You have a purpose to set captives free. You're meant to walk in freedom, but you're meant to set others free, beloved. Like I said before, you want to stay alive, stay connected to your purpose. When we lose sight of the bigger purpose, we, we come under the weight of just the struggle and the trial. We need to keep our eyes on the promise. And it gives greater value to the struggle I'm in now and the decisions I need to make today. We don't want to sell ourselves into slavery over small things. It's like people that sign contracts but never read the fine print. Someone, someone just told me the other day that they got their kids into a private school and you know, they apparently signed all these contracts and then they can't, they can't even have their kids come out of school because they still have to pay everything. Even if they left the school, they still have to pay everything, like a lot of money. It's like, oh man, that's such bondage. <laughs> bondage, you know? We do that at times. God has called us to live in wisdom. Wisdom. Not, not, not our own wisdom. He's called us to live according to his own design in the ways that actually work and that produce the best kind of fruit, the kind of wisdom that allows us to live in peace and pleasure and rest. The way of the kingdom is, is joy, wholeness, right living, peace, emotional well-being, physical well-being, spiritual well-being. The way of wisdom is good. It's an ancient path that we need to learn to lay hold of. And when we talk about how we build our faith or build our life or build a community or build anything in the kingdom of God, we have to take into consideration how we build this house, how we build our life, our family, right? Because it's very easy to be sincere but to also be very misinformed, right? A lot of sincere people that are, are doing things the wrong way, not for the lack of hard work, not for the lack of energy and effort, not for lack of sincerity, it's a lack of proper knowledge. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. My people perish for a lack of prophetic revelation. When they don't see the things they need to see, we're left to our own devices, our own inner counsels. Now, God can still lead us by those things, but ideally, he says, hey, come to me. I want to teach you wisdom. I want to show you truth. I want to instruct you. There are certain things that are mysterious in my kingdom, and there are certain things that are revealed. And everything you need to know, I have revealed to you that you might obey them and teach your children to obey them. Right? 
So we don't want to be misinformed by thinking, believing wrong things or by acting and speaking in a way that undermines our desire. Sometimes we're doing all these things, going after what we want, let's say the promise, whatever that looks like for you, but we're acting in a way that actually is hurting us, not helping us. Right? That's not wisdom. Okay? We need to continue to recalibrate and readjust. We don't want to sabotage ourselves. We need to take heed to our lives. Right? When we can see, then we can repent and change and adjust in the way we need to. You know, the Bible says zeal without wisdom is not good. And desire without knowledge is not good. We'll miss the mark. Right? Desire without knowledge is not good. Zeal without wisdom is not good. You need both. You, know? you need both. Okay? I love this. Proverbs 14.1, it emphasizes this point. And I think this, the wise woman, I, I think this is even personifying the church. You know, the wise woman, it says, builds her house. But with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Wow. Right? One is meant to actually build. But those same hands that are meant to build, they're actually destroying the very house they're trying to build because of foolishness. That's what happens sometimes. Proverbs 14.8, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. So the prudent have to actually give thought to their ways. Consider what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing what they're doing, right? Otherwise, we literally just can keep going about the same thing, and it's deceptive, you know? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results is insanity. Exactly. So we need to give thought to our ways in light of the word of God and ask for that angle like the, where the sun shined and I could see that entangled spider web. I need light. I need the right angle perception to see so that I can make the adjustments I need to or to cut off, dismantle what I need to dismantle. Otherwise, it will prevail. Right? The scriptures also say, Proverbs 14, 13, it goes on, the simple believe anything, but the prudent give thoughts to their steps. We can't afford just to believe anything. That's right. You hear me? This is why the church needs to be discerning. This is why the church needs to be renewed in their thinking according to the word of God. That's why you need to be students of the scriptures, lovers of the word of God, lovers of his presence in a way that you are not duped, testing all things, discerning all things, hashing things out in conversation with each other. You know, the one that isolates themselves it says, seeks their own desire and casts off all sound judgment. That's why you need community. That's why you need each other. That's why you can't be a Christian as an island. You're just going to think yourself right in your own eyes. Everyone does until they're cross-examined. <laughs> we need the wisdom of God. We need brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers in the Lord. Man, let, me, let us be wise. We need to be able to pursue truth, pursue wisdom. Proverbs 3, I just want to read this passage, it's beautiful. It says, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. She is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire, come on, nothing you desire can compare with her. Come on, the value of wisdom and a heart that is bent on pursuing wisdom from God. Oh, we, how we need to learn long. Long life is in her hand. 
This is wisdom. And in her left hand are riches and honor. Come on, there's good, there's, there's good things for walking in the way of wisdom. Long life. Remember, you're gonna, number one, in Christ, you're going to live forever. The gospel has brought to life immortality. This is the pursuit of mankind, eternal life. Guess what? We have it in the gospel. But to live long on this life, to propagate the ways of God, to experience his goodness and teach our children to walk in his ways. Man, we, God wants us to live long and well and prosperous, to be shining beacons of light and hope in this, in this age, right? God's heart is that you would live long, be healthy, prosper, that his, his ways would be revealed through your life. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all, all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those that take hold of her, to those who hold fast, will be blessed. Oh, man, how we need to long for wisdom and the way of wisdom. This needs to be like part of the orientation of this whole community's soul, really every believer, but this is the cry of Scripture. Be wise. Even in Ephesians 5, don't be foolish, but be wise. Understand the will of the Lord. Redeem the time. The days are evil. Be continually filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. That's wasteful living, or don't be drunk with the cares of this life. Be filled with the Spirit. Remember what's important. Give yourself to the things that are essential and eternal. And I want to focus specifically for you guys on this issue of how we speak. The words we use, okay? The words we use. Words are powerful, okay? I love this. Proverbs 13, 3. I just, you just eat the Proverbs, guys. It's incredible. It says, those who guard their lips... Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly come to ruin. You know, the Bible said there's more hope for a fool than the person that just vents all of their spirit. And the Bible also says if you can't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. And if you can tame your tongue, that person will be perfect. And God's goal is to perfect you in Christ. And talk about the goal of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's self-mastery, self-restraint. And it's something done by the Holy Spirit. Remember, God will never ask something, command something, require something of you that He Himself does not give you the energy or power to do. That's really good news. That is marrying faith to what God says. Because when God says something and I'm like, whoa, that is so hard. That is so difficult. That's impossible. I can't do that. And He's like, yeah, no, duh. Come to me. Abide in me. Behold me, fellowship with me, I will give you everything you need. I am the vine, you are the branches, you can't bear any fruit apart from me. You come to me, you come to the banqueting table, you thank me, behold me, I will give you everything you need. I want you to see the power that I've given you who believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And I want you to know that power, live in that power, run and live and act according to that power. Well, Paul says, I work harder than anyone. He goes, yeah, but not I. The power of Christ working in me. Even in my weakness, power is perfected. God, I can't. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to make the weakest among you like David. That's what he does. I'm going to make the blind see. I'm going to make the deaf hear. I'm going to make the lame run and leap. I'm going to make the poor brilliant and wise and 
prosperous. He's so good. He chooses the base and foolish things of the world to confound those that think they're wise. Come on, I'm a base and foolish thing. How about you? Come on, I'm a base and foolish thing. And I'm glad about it. And if you're not glad about it, you're still proud. <laughs> because we need to see our depravity. That we have no righteousness of our own. But all is Christ. All is of him and for him and through him and unto him. And when we live that way, we can live with simplicity. We can live with joy. We can rise up, okay, in the grace of God and stand confident because we know our God. Make sense? We have to tame the tongue in order to frame our reality. Tame your tongue to frame your reality. Do you understand? Often, the reality of our life is only a manifestation of your internal life. Often. The things we speak, the things we believe. Because remember, everything we do is the byproduct and fruit of what is going on behind our face and in our heart. Truly. And there's a lot of things, there's, there's things we cannot control. And that we have to trust to God. But there's so much that's in our control. And that's what we have to focus on. And that's what we think. That's what we believe. That's what we say. That's what we decide. It's your attitude. You choose that. You choose that, right? Come on. You choose that. I choose that. And what I say determines, you know, things that I say even changes how I think. If I'm not thinking right yet, I use my tongue to declare what my mind should be thinking. I use the word of God, a third party. <laughs> Outside of myself, something very objective, very objective to start framing me. Putting it into my head so I can renew my thoughts. But I use my tongue that's like the rudder on a ship to direct my life. I announced, why do you think God, God created the earth by words. He commanded and it was. He speaks and it was. He sends forth his word to heal us of our diseases. The word became flesh to expound and manifest the mind and heart of God. When God wants to do something, he speaks first. He announces it. It's the same for you and me. We're created in his image to walk as he walked. We want to do something, be something, accomplish something. You declare it. People that are even trying to attain goals in their life. Guess what? One of the major factors for goal achievement is you not only make it very clear, you write down a very clear goal that's measurable, attainable, but you also speak it. You declare it. You meditate on it. You make it so real that you start to impose upon it because you are wired physiologically to achieve the dreams in your heart and mind. God has wired you to actually consistently be working towards the thing he's put in your heart. You know that? Your mind is a goal-achieving machine. You are physiologically wired to manifest the dream that God put inside of you. God made it that way. Now, we partner with that by renewing our mind and letting our will, our call to be aligned with the will of God, the word of God. But this is real. Your tongue has to frame your reality. Your tongue has to only speak what is good and wholesome, right and true. Ephesians 4, verse 29 says very clearly, don't even let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Right? But only what is helpful to build each other up according to each one's needs. Only what actually imparts grace to the hearers. Think about how you speak to each other. Come on, think about how you speak to your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends, the people in the store people that you're frustrated with, the people that have hurt you, offended you, 
let you down, disappointed you, betrayed you. Think about how you think about them and how you speak to them. God wants you, number one, in Christ to forgive just as you were forgiven, right? We know these things, but we got to practice these things, <laughs> okay? Practice is the, is the big deal here. But controlling your tongue so that you're not letting anything unwholesome come out of it. What does that look like when you're frustrated or things don't go your way? This is how you start to frame your reality. The scriptures are so clear here. And then I'm speaking in a way that actually benefits you. I'm not just speaking my mind. I have to consider you and think about your life. What's going to actually help you, build you up, encourage you, take you to the next place? My job is to craft my speech responsibly and in love to speak those things to you. Right? This is called how we even develop a prophetic culture of affirmation where people where freedom can prosper, where people can feel empowered and not disempowered and oppressed, where people feel free and alive, and I can do this. I can do this in Christ, right? It starts with what you say, continually the culture you speak in the air, in the context of prayer, but in our relationships. I love it. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, listen, old is gone. The new has come. We are new creations, new creatures, a different species that's never been seen before. This is real. This is real. Okay, and it says, I want you to know each other not by your flesh or by your weaknesses, though it doesn't mean we're ignorant of them. It doesn't mean we're blind to the real human liabilities of people. But it says, I want you to know each other and relate to each other based by the Spirit. Who God made you to be. I need to see. I need prophetic eyes to see you how Jesus sees you. I need to believe what Jesus believes about you. And when I can start doing that, I can start speaking and agreeing with God. And when I do that, you're empowered, I experience love, and I grow in love. I'm changed because I start renewing how I think, how I relate to people, even when I'm frustrated, even when they bother me, even when I've said the same thing to you 50 times and I feel like I've been redundant. Over and over and over, I have to say I have the same conversation with you. So I have to grow, but I have to craft my speech to continue to empower. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? This is, this is very real. We have to speak to each other and call forth each other's identity. Okay? We have to empower. You know, the, the reality is we empower what we speak to. We amplify what we meditate on, what we behold. This is really important for your life, but how you relate to each other. You empower what you speak to. Listen to me. There's a time, you know, when we talk about speak the truth and love to one another, most people just typically translate that as, I just got to speak honestly to you and tell you what you don't want to hear and tell you what's wrong with you. And let me tell you something, there is a place for corrective, honest speech, but there is a way to do that. There's a way, it's all about how something is done, because that needs to be done. Equippers, gifted shepherds, leaders in the body of Christ, this, the, the word to equip is living. Can I see your arm? It's okay if I touch your arm? Yeah. If your arm was broken, an equipper does this, like, honey, I love you, this is going to really hurt, but your arm is broken in like four places. Now, should she be offended that I just told her her arm is broken in four places? No. no. If it's really broke. If it's really broke. <laughs> really broke. And she knows it. She's like, I can't use this thing. Something's off. I can't even use it right. I can't even pick up my cup of coffee in the morning. For me to be very clear in love, say, listen, your arm's broken in four places. You realize that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'm going to have to do some things that are going to really hurt. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's going to help you heal, Okay. And then, you ready? Snap! Snap! 
snap. <laughs> she screams. She cries. It hurts. But then she heals. And then she's stronger than before. Now, it's the same thing in the body of Christ. Speaking the truth to one another in love is actually how we grow up into maturity, into the fullness. Now, that may include having to identify, listen, this is very broken, but it has to be framed. Everything has to be framed as the goal, sweetie, is you're healed, you're strong, you're healthy, and you're throwing that ball again because you were designed to throw long, throw hard, run fast, and not be hindered at all. That's the goal. So I have to speak these things in light of the calling, in light of the purpose. Listen, I had this lady that, that lived with me for a time, really horrible situation. She got kicked out of her house. She was very oppressed. Her and her husband were sleeping in separate rooms for years. She was suicidal. Her family got ripped away from her. She tried to kill herself, okay? Tried to kill herself uh, while she was on the phone with me. Got her to the hospital. She was in a psych ward for a little while, a behavioral unit. You know, and I was working with her. But in the midst of all that, wrestling with her heart, speaking to her, the approach that I took and take is speaking to her identity in Christ, helping her see past the immediate moment, framing things in vision. How I spoke in those moments was really important to, to what was going to happen in her journey. Now, this happened a couple times, and then she came and lived with us because afterwards she wasn't allowed to go back home. Door was shut in her face. Everything was ripped from her. I mean, it was awful, awful. She tried to commit suicide again in my house over D on pills. We continued to speak to her in her weakest, darkest times, like, Mary, this is not the end of your story. This is only a chapter. This is not your story. This is your story. This is what you're called to. This is who you are in Christ. This is what you're going to do. No, no, no. I'm not, I don't care about this right now. Listen to me. Get your eyes on here. This is who you are. This is your identity in Jesus. This is not true. This is true, noble, lovely. And that began to empower, and God began to speak to her in that. God began to give her dreams. And slowly she began to rise out of the ashes, rise out of the pit to where she's stable, and growing, and still growing now. She's growing and in the healthiest place she's ever been. She's our number one nanny. She's our number one nanny as well, still. But the journey of saying, Mary, I see something. I see something in you that you don't see right now. You think that you have nothing. That you're barren. Your life can never be restored. But let me tell you something. This is what you're called to. This is what God's going to do. He's going to make something beautiful out of the broken pieces in due time. We have to speak to destiny and calling for individuals over our own hearts, over a community, over a region, over Lake Elsinore, over this valley. You have to speak words of destiny. Remember, you empower what you speak to. If I'm always just pointing out the problems, what am I doing? I'm empowering the problem. What about speaking destiny? What about getting a heart? What about getting God's idea, what he wants to do, and then start praying that, agreeing with it, and then actually letting your life be part of that solution? Where you're not grumbling about it, you're serving God's purpose. You spend your energy moving in the opposite spirit. This is the God's ways, the prophetic nature of God as he speaks to what is not as though it is. He calls forth what is not as though it is. He sees it before it even exists naturally and calls it into being. You see a valley, 
of dry bones, but God sees an army. He says, come and see what I see and begin to prophesy to the army. Prophesy to the bones. Watch what I will do to raise up something in your midst. Over your own heart, over your own life, over your own family, begin to speak words of life. Think about the spies. Think about the 12 spies that went to go look at the promised land. What happened there? Interact with me for a moment. What happened there? Only two out of the 12 came back with good news. Not just good news. They all saw the same thing, guys. They all went and experienced the same thing. Do you understand? Ten, and these were tribal leaders. These were heads of communities. These weren't just Joe Schmo. These were heads of communities. Heads of families. Seen miracles. Heard the promise of God. This is the land I'm giving you. They all heard the gospel. They heard the same thing. This is what I have for you. Ten people came back with pessimistic, unbelieving, wrong perspectives about the same event and defiled the whole community and led over a million Israelites to wander in the desert and die because of wrong words spoken that disempowered the courage of the people to go up and take what was theirs. Words, words rooted in wrong belief systems defiled the whole community. Think about the power of this for you. And the promise of God over your life or over this community. We need a right perspective according to what God has said. And then speak words that have power to infuse courage to go up and take the land. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is very real. We want the good report, the faithful report that believes God. Right? And the scripture says if we want to inherit a, ble a blessing, which in fact we're called to, the Bible says. Come on, do you want the blessing? Yes. Do you really want it? That means you're willing to change then. Yep. That means you're willing to move seats. <laughs> and, and do much harder things than that too. Because God will ask you to do hard things. He's going to ask you to say, are you ready? You willing? Because you want to throw that ball again, right? Okay, let's go. Crack! <laughs> God is going to ask you to do painful things. He might even ask you to go to a cross. Producing real change and doing something countercultural against the status quo will mean sacrifice for you. It will mean going against the status quo. It will mean being mocked, rejected, misunderstood. It will mean all of that. It will cost you. But oh, the reward. The eyes have to be on the reward. That's where it says Abraham, Moses, all of them. It says they endured the suffering because their eye was on the reward. They endured as though seeing him who was invisible. You hear what I'm saying? We have to see what God wants to do and then endure the process no matter what it takes while staying true to what God has asked. And, when, and they're called, don't shrink back from the confession of your hope, the things that you say. Do you hear me? What you say is important about yourself, about people, about circumstances, about this valley. We want to blow up the negative report. The scriptures say we have to be like-minded as a people. God is calling you as a community to be in unity, one-minded, in agreement together. And you do that through forgiveness, compassion, humility. And the scripture goes on to say, on the contrary, you know, repay evil with blessing. He's talking actually to the Christian community. He's not even talking about to the world. This is in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, friends, you're called to inherit a blessing. And I want you to be like-minded and sympathetic and love one another. Repay evil with blessing. Come on, can you do that? 
Let's go. This is, what it's, this is the kingdom. When someone does you wrong, you're meant to actually repay them with blessing. That's what you're being challenged to. This is your invitation. You're not challenged to not do evil. That's not your challenge. Your challenge is to do blessing. Your challenge is to apply yourself in doing good. Your challenge is to speak truth. Your challenge isn't the issues in this valley. Your challenge isn't division. Your challenge is unity. See what I'm saying? Your challenge isn't um, divisions and quarrels and backbiting. Your challenge is how to love each other and have healthy confrontation without running away. When someone tells you, hey, your arm's broken. What? Don't tell me my arm's broken. Um, no, your challenge is to submit. <laughs> Listen and receive. That's your challenge. Man, it, it, it goes on. You are called, it says, you are called to inherit a blessing. Don't insult, because you were called to inherit a blessing. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Your job is to be peacemakers. Pursue peace with each other, with yourselves, with people in the community. This is real, guys. Peacemakers. Messengers of peace. Where enmity, division, strife is put at rest by the power of the cross. This is what it's about, a life lived in unity and love. And when you guys can grow in a greater place of unity and agreement, this is where the glory of God can dwell and rest. God wants a community that can host his presence, where the dove of God can rest, where there's peace. The same context in Ephesians goes on to say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Only do and speak what's right and good towards each other. Right? A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Again, speaking the words that are right and good is a tree of life. It empowers. A perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Now, a perverse tongue isn't just saying nasty, foul, immoral things. Come on. A perverse tongue is speaking anything contrary to God's word and nature. You, we have perverted the nature, ways, or promise of God. That's perverse. So when I start speaking in a way that's contrary, it crushes the spirit. It discourages people from believing, from hoping, from living well in the grace of God. This is so important. Our words direct our life. And they can shift your mood and we need to develop, I had this thing, choreographed responses according to the word of God. You need to like reprogram yourself by the word of God to actually have godly responses, the areas where you may just want to react and say or do things that are not right. You have knee-jerk responses to certain people. Oh, well, that's just them. Oh, well, that's just her. That's just them. It's always this way. No, no, no. You need to stop speaking that way and recraft a different response. In the same way God, you know, we talked about last week how God literally almost in choreography to the music literally is releasing his judgments according to our praise and our worship. In the same way, friends, we have to choreograph and move and sync with the word of God and, and say, no, this is how I'm going to respond. How do you think Jesus overcome the, the temptation in the wilderness? He had the word of God in his heart, hidden in his heart, able to speak it, rehearsed. He met the enemy with the word of God. He would have given way to the accusations and intimidations of the enemy unless he had hoped in the word. 
So if you have the word reframing how you think about people or address situations, friends, you have choreographed responses. Bang. Rather than entering into the gossip or the the weird speaking against each other or the scenarios in the land, friends, speak God's truth. Speak God's ways. And this has to do with people's overall sense of hope, but also a skill set that needs to be practiced. Right? Some people speak these things because they really don't have hope. They really are discouraged. They really are just bent on seeing things in a negative light. Right? And people genuinely need a spiritual facelift. You know? They need to get fresh hope and see the promise of God. They need to be filled with new eyes and new perspective. But then there's others that have that, but they just don't know how. They don't have the language or skill sets yet to know what to say or how to say it. They've not been taught. Right? So there's real practical things that we can do as well. So, like, for instance, when, like, one of the greatest self-sabotaging things, because remember, it's your personal life that affects the quality of your communal life, right? Where you are at or when your families are at, that affects the health of this whole community. The church is made up, it's one family made up of many families and individuals. And we all grow together, okay? But what's going on inside your head, behind your face, in your heart, affects the greater whole. Do you believe that? If we really believe that, they will start changing how we actually rule our own hearts. Because I know that my brothers and sisters are also counting on me. I know that my mental purity, my internal integrity and honesty literally affects the well-being of this family. That will start changing the motivation of our, our journey of sanctification even, right? So we need to be able to speak kindly to, to ourselves, let alone about others. So these are, these are obviously, we all have real examples of negative self-talk, right? We've, we've heard this kind of vernacular, this language, right? Come on, have we say or are you saying right now, I'll never be able to change? Have you ever said this? I'll just never be able to change in this area. You know, if that's a reality for some, and if you're really honest in those moments of vulnerability, of difficulty, of struggle, instead of saying something like that, say, no, this is difficult, but I can actually do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Instead of, oh man, I blew my whole plan. I'm a total failure. I failed again. I did it again. Come on, we ever said that? Yeah. Yeah. What about saying, well, I'm going to learn from this and God's going to use everything for my good because he loves me. Instead of, oh, I'm a failure, which that's an identity statement, you reframe it and say, no, I'm going to learn. Right? We have to reframe our language or things like, why bother? I'll never finish that project. I'll never get the job. I'll never get recognized. I'll never make it. Why even bother doing this? Why even try? I'm just going to get hurt again. I'm just going to be disappointed again. Versus, hey, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to trust God with the outcome and my reward because God's faithful. But I'm putting that on your lip, addressing and stopping these things that try to sabotage us and discourage us, right? Or other statements like, I'm so lazy, or I'm so stupid, or I'm so broken. Or I'll never be able to do that. Come on, we ever said that? Ever believe that? What about things like, no, I'm, I'm so loved. I'm so favored. I'm so cherished. I'm so able in Christ. I'm whole in Christ. I'm able to learn in him. He'll teach me. 
And I'm sure you can think of a thousand more of what that looks like for you. What about some of the things that are said over this valley or this region? Can you think of some of them? What are some of the things that are always said? What are the common whims about this valley, about the prevailing predominant issues? What are they? There's no faith in this valley. Oh, great. Let me, no, let me give you something. Let me give you a little clue. If, you, if we can identify very clearly the lies, the words, that's a clue into what the, what's happening in the spirit. But it's also how you can literally begin to speak God's intention to the opposite. The problem points to the provision. There's always a promise attached to the problem. Do you hear me? Therefore, I have to learn to speak the opposite. I have to rule the atmosphere because words are information and they fill the air. Sometimes you may just walk into a place and suddenly, suddenly you're feeling negative and, uh, and thinking these thoughts. What happens if you're just picking up on the atmosphere? And then if you don't take captive thoughts, you get defiled by those thoughts and you start agreeing with them. And then you feel them, you believe them, you speak them, and you only perpetuate the problem rather than breaking the cycle and losing liberty and shifting the atmosphere. Because you're called to shift the atmosphere. You're called to be a breaker. You're called to release promise and life. You're meant to be a people of victory, friends, of triumph, of heavenly perspective, not carnal wisdom that lives jaded and oppressed, stuck with the status quo of everyone else. You're meant to live in the wisdom of God, releasing life, truth, helping others see a new perspective, get hope. So if you could lay, literally, I want, part of this is a practical assignment for you guys when you leave here and, and, and meet as a, as a community. What are the key lies, the things that are always said? What are the key attitudes that prevail? If you can identify the problem, you can know what and how to attack. That God's going to release a faith-filled, victorious church in this region. That there is faith here. There are hungry people. There are starving people that are just looking that are just looking. And if you would lift your eyes and see, don't see four months of the harvest. There's nothing happened in this valley. Everyone's just running away. No, 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 no. Like I said, you were born for a fight and there's people waiting for you to rise up with truth, to lift up your eyes and see the harvest because the fields are white, friends. There's so much opportunity, it's crazy. It's all around you. But if we don't see it, we won't respond to it. We'll just go about we won't see the matrix, but it's all a mirage, man. We need to come out and see clearly that we can respond. They were, we were, I was hanging out with some people last night, and they, someone said, this valley's easily offended and has a victim mentality. Is that, does that ring true? Yes. Great. Well, guess what? Then we get to declare that there is an undefendable heart yeah. here and that we are overcomers. Yeah. That we're not victims. We're overcomers. I start, we start targeting this in intercession. We start choosing to think a different way about ourselves because if I'm operating under this, then I don't have any authority that I'm going to come to pray these weak, impotent prayers when I'm only believing that oh, nothing's going to change. God's not going to answer that prayer. That's not even praying. That's complaining. He says, pray in faith and things will move. Things will happen. Pray according to my word. Pray my promise. Pray my provision and it will be. Speak and it will. God framed the world by words, friends. 
This isn't just hocus pocus. This is real. This is part of your act of war. And I feel God is inviting you as a people to start moving in the opposite spirit of the prevailing giants and problems in the land. If you can start moving in the opposite spirit, you will become the arrow, the hammer, the wrecking ball. You will become the solution. You'll become the way, the oasis, the renewal, the fountain of life you are called to be. There literally will be a river to heal the land. You hear me? God wants to use you to do something in this valley that has not been seen. But that must means you must do things that no one in this valley is willing to do. That means confrontation. That means change. That means adjustment. That means dethroning certain things, exalting other things, removing certain things, putting new things in place. It means changing things. It means changing seats. It means very practical change that makes people feel, "Uh, I don't like that. Well, guess what? Change does not feel good. Change does not feel good, but it produces something very good. Right? Change for, for some is harder than others. But change is also a skill and a decision. Yep. It's a decision. It's a process. And you can learn the skills on how to change well. And if you can be humble and then yield to godly authority, yield to the word of God, yield to the leadership in this house, and not resist and buck and complain. Friends, you will progress as a people. Yeah. And while you're championing the word of God on your lips you will begin to prevail in advance. Because as my wife said two weeks ago, if you're stagnant, friends, you will die. God wants to move you out of stagnation and cause you to be a flowing river that begins to penetrate the rocks of this region. Right? This is not just rhetoric. I'm serious. I'm prophetically punching your spirit, okay? There's something truly God wants to do, and that's why I feel like there's a 90-day challenge, literally, of changing your language. What you say about yourself, how you parent your children, how you speak to your spouse, what you say about people, what you say about the region, and you begin to change your language and speak God's word 90 days practicing. doesn't mean you're going to get it perfect right away. The point is practice, practice. You will be a different person at the end of that. You will be a different community at the end of this. I mean it. And you literally will start seeing things happen around you. Because, man, you'll start seeing black and white like, wow, I used to talk like that. I used to think like that. That is so not the kingdom of heaven. That's so earthly, carnal, demonic wisdom. That is not the wisdom from above that's pure and peaceable and willing to reason and good. God wants you to live by wisdom. Wisdom. This ways produce peace and joy and life and liberty and prosperity and freedom. But that means adjustment. That means change. That means taking cats' uh, thoughts captive and stopping the words I'm going to say, refraining my tongue. Literally having to shut up at times. And if you got nothing good to say, just smile. You don't even have to have something good to say, just smile. That's it. People are gossiping at work and you don't want to enter in the conversation. Because look, this is just as bad. If you're like talking bad about stuff or a person, you're like, That eye roll says a lot. So this means mastery over your body, your mind. Say, no, I'm not going to have that that automated response. I'm going to be intentional to respond to heaven, to conduct myself in honor, conduct myself in love, in truth, 
I'm going to be a weapon in the hand of the Lord. A champion raising the banner of God. So as we respond, I want to invite us to truly, one, repent of speaking perverse things contrary to the word of God over our own life, over our spouses, over our kids, over brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and over our natural family, over our community, over people groups. Come on, we, the church should not be operating under carnal stereotypes. cultural norms, friends, we have to rise above them. We have to realize where we've been infected by them. We have to ask for that light so we can see that angle of these entanglements that literally are hindering us that we don't even realize. That these things actually matter. Right? Sometimes we just get careless. And God's saying, no, you need to care. We need to wake from stupor. Shake yourself from dust. I've called you to something. And I want to release you as a people, as a miracle testimony in this region, a sign and wonder for what he wants to produce. So I want to start by just us repenting, turning from speaking, agreeing with lies, agreeing with things that are contrary to God's ideal. And I want to commit to reframing our thoughts and our language according to the word of God. And then we want to start declaring over our life, over each other, over our region, speaking life to the valley, life to the dry bones, life to the desert. And as a team, I just want to put it out there for you guys to develop a resource over these 90 days. You, you can choose when you're going to start this or whatever. It's up to you. But to design something that maybe even for those 90 days, every day you develop a declaration, something you're praying Something, things that you're saying, some alternatives that you can say instead of the negatives. So that we can actually have tangible things to start training yourself, right? If you're learning a new skill set, you need the right things in your hands to practice. Because this is about practice, okay? But if you do it consistently, you'll develop a new habit. Because most of the time, we're just operating in bad, carnal, old man habits. Just old habits that have not been crucified and reformed to the nature of Jesus Christ. Right? Are you guys willing? That's good. I don't, Ignacio and Tilly, they'll let you know when, when you guys are going to initiate this and powwow about this. But I believe this was a divine, a prophetic key that God gave. To start changing your language to reframe your reality. It will change you as a person. And as a community, it'll give you a one-mindedness concerning his purpose. Yeah. So let's respond for a minute. I just want to posture our heart before the Lord and say, Lord, were there areas where I've spoken wrongly or I've, I've been casual about this or unwholesome speech has left my lips concerning others? I've spoken in a way that was not according to God's ideal. I've given up on people. I've grumbled against people. I've grumbled against leaders. I've grumbled against community. Like, for instance, we were even at SeaWorld on Friday. And we literally stood in line for food for about almost an hour and 45 minutes. Everybody was so upset in the line. I mean, really, everyone was so upset. Perfect opportunity to grumble and complain. Perfect. Very natural, very normal, right? Humans are very so quick to judge, to be critical. God wants to confront your criticalness, your judgmentalness, 
Because it's not love. It's not good. It's arrogant. It's presumptuous. It's selfish. Yeah. And my wife says, man, I started to grumble and complain, and immediately God told me to repent and start praying for them. And I said, yeah. I was in line. I literally just encouraging people, clapping, dancing with the baby, and praying for the kitchen. I could have complained, but I said, I'm going to actually pray for them. They're probably understaffed, overwhelmed. They can't, you know, it's like there's stuff going on, but they need prayer. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't need to be pelted with stones of judgment. They need prayer. Make sense? Little things like that. Start speaking blessing, not cursing. Imagine if you started going into businesses and just praying for business owners. What would start happening? The church overcomes evil by doing good. Become a force of good. And it will change you and it will change the things around you. But it starts with your lips, your life. Right? So right now, Father, I just pray that you sanctify our lips. Pure speech would proceed out of our lips. God, we repent right now. We turn from speaking arrogantly, immorally, perversely, contrary to the ways of God, the word of God, about ourselves, about you, about others, about this valley. Keep our lips from speaking evil. Many words leads to sin. Keep us from sinning with our mouth. May only your praise, may only your purpose be on our lips. Come on, do your own business with the Lord for a moment. Transform us. Purify our lips, our speech, our words. Cleanse us. Jesus, we thank you that you forgive us of our sins as we confess them to you. And I pray, God, that you liberate us and teach us where, show us, shine light on us, that we would see the things that cause us to stumble. Shine light on us that we'd see the things, the lies that we believe about ourselves or about people or about situations. Shine light on us. Show us the entanglements that cause us to stumble. We might dismantle them and shed, throw them off to run the race set before us, looking unto Jesus. Come on, ask the Lord to shine light on you. And if there's things coming to your mind, write it down and simply confess them, renounce them. I'm gonna rise up from the ashes lift my eyes up to the higher things in Christ I'm gonna rise up from the ashes I lift my eyes up to Christ I'm gonna rise up from the ashes lift my eyes up We're gonna rise up.
Holy Spirit, shine light on us. That we would rise up where we need to rise up. Where we've backed off. Where we've shrunken back. Where we've disengaged. Rise up. Rise up. Shine light on us. That we would rise up afresh. I lift my eyes up. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places. I'm going to rise up from my ashes and lift my eyes up. Get my eyes off my past. I'm going to rise up from the ashes and lift my eyes up. Cause I've got a future ahead of me. Yes. Fix my eyes on the prize in Christ Jesus. Father, fill our souls with the promise of God. Fill our minds with the word of God. Reframe our thinking, our language according to the word of God. Holy Spirit, I pray even for a grace over this community in this next season where the key prophetic promises that you have over them as individuals and that you have for this community, this region, this valley. I pray for divine deposits, promises, scriptures, words that are from you, that are meant to define our ways of thinking and relating and speaking and believing. Come and speak. Speak in this season. Spirit of God. We want to hear and believe. We want to add our yes and amen to the word of God. We want to enter into full agreement with the truth. And we want to declare it over our life, over each other, over our region. We want to speak to the valley. Speak to the dry bones. Speak to the desert. Now I got a purpose. Now I got a destiny. Now I got a purpose. I have a destiny. You got a purpose. You got a destiny. Dry bones rise. Come on, let's Dry bones rise. Let's stand in his presence. I have a purpose. I have a destiny, you have a purpose, you have a destiny, we got a purpose, we got a destiny, dry bones rise, dry bones rise, yeah, I got a purpose, I got a destiny, we got a purpose. We got a destiny. Okay, if you got some key words already coming up for you, I want you to begin to use your mouth. See, the kingdom of God is voice activated. Now, there's some things that you're going to need to sit with and reflect on and, and really sit with this for a little bit. But I want to take some time for you to use your tongue to declare the Come truth on. of God over your life, over this place. Got a purpose. I want you to use the scriptures or use a sense of promise that's already in your heart. I want you to start speaking out what God's word is. 
says, listen, this is one of the most important disciplines you can have in your life. Got a purpose. Is to declare the word of God. Got a the way I rule my life and my soul is I literally open my Bible and I read the scriptures out loud. I pray them out loud. I declare them over my own soul. I give thanks to God for them over my soul. When I went walking this morning, I began to thank God for his love and favor over my life. I begin to thank him for his word. I begin to thank him for his kingdom. Thank you, God. Your kingdom reigns over my life. Your love rules over my life. You favor me. You speak to me. I thank you that you accepted me in Jesus Christ. And I begin to stir up my faith. I begin to remind myself and stir affection in my soul. I align myself with the truth. So the Bible says, keep yourself in the love of God. Got a destiny. Keep yourself undefiled from the world and keep yourself in the love of God, building yourself up in your most holy faith. This is our responsibility. You must keep yourself in the love of God. It's not anyone else's job. It's the Holy Spirit partnered with you. You must believe. You must speak the word of God. Act on the word of God. There's no shortcuts. Amen. But it begins to shift the culture of your own mindset, your internal atmosphere, and then begins to change the atmosphere of the community where the word of God begins to reign, the peace of God begins to reign. And you become a people of his presence. Come on, let's just use his word for a moment. Start speaking his truth out. Hey. power of his name over your life. Go ahead, keep going, keep going. It's a new day. I'm going forth, I'm going forth. Shake off the dust of the past I'm not defined by my past God calls me on Press on, press on I'm pressing on I'm pressing on to the prize I'm pressing on to the prize, the prize, I'm pressing on. To the prize, to the prize in my life, I am pressing on. To the prize, to the prize, I'm pressing on. Haley, I don't know you, but I feel like God's saying you're not on the outskirts looking in, you're a part the family of God. I feel like God wants to bring you specifically into family in a, in a greater way in the church. You're not on the outside looking in. Any places where there, you've felt isolated or lonely, I feel like God, I want to say that's a lie. God has grafted you into his church and his family. And I see you, I don't know if you're around a lot of unbelievers, but I see you bringing droves of people into the family of God. And I just speak, you are an evangelist. You have a destiny in your life to bring in the lost, Haley. And I say, step into your call because there are so many people. I was led to Jesus from 
a believer that was just my friend. And I feel like God's saying, there's so many people that you're going to touch. I say this for my own life. I thank God for the girl that just befriended me. And I see you're going to bring sons, so many people into the kingdom, into the family, God, because you're surrounded by people that are, are looking and are questioning. And I feel like God's saying, as you come in alignment in the season, you're going to see so many people come to Christ through your life. So we bless you today. We sh- You're free from the past, Haley. This is a new day for you. Let go of the past and submit to God, Haley, because there's a call and a destiny in your life. You're not, I see you like Cinderella, God saying, get out of the ashes, you're queen. You're a queen. Step into your call, Haley. Step into your call. Don't settle any longer. Don't settle. Don't settle in the name of Jesus. I got a purpose, I got a destiny, I got a purpose, I got a destiny, I got a purpose, I got a destiny, oh, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. So many of you on the brink of coming to the next place as you align, as you align in the season, you're going to see a harvest because God's calling you to be parents in the faith. Haley, you're called to be such a a, a nurturer. God's going to make you a mother in the faith. There's souls that are going to come to Jesus through your life. As we finish this season well and get everything in order, God is going to bring the harvest. Just prophesy to every person here, get ready, get ready for the sake of the kingdom. Try, try. Right. So good. I make you fishers of men. Nice ears. Yeah. <laughs> sort of declare Isaiah thirty two. It says, see, a king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. Like streams of water in the desert and a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. The eyes of those who see no longer will be closed. Or the, sorry, the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed. And the ears of those who hear will listen. Their fearful fearful heart will know and understand. The stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. We just declare over this region, even now, and over this community, that you will be like a shade tree to shelter many from the winds of adversity. You will be a refuge from the storms. You as a community will be a refuge. A shade tree like a stream of water in the desert. You'll be like a great shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. God, we thank you for eyes that will now see. We thank you for ears that will now hear. Fearful hearts that will now know and understand. Faith will rise. Understanding of the faith will come. Breakthrough is happening. Those that are inarticulate, unable to speak, will speak with clarity. 
I just see that even some of you here that can't articulate your thoughts, articulate your words, God's going to release the tongue of the learned, the tongue of the learned and give you the ear of a disciple. We thank you, Lord, for the supernatural understanding being released. Supernatural understanding, breaking the foul and shallow grounds, oh God. Loosing deep wells, deep rivers, deep people that know the word of God, that know the will of God. They can speak the will of God and bring understanding to the region. We thank you for raising up this place as a canopy, as a safe place, as a refuge for the broken, for the weary, for the tired, for the confused. We thank you for new life in Jesus' name. Simple things. You take the word of God, you declare it. You declare the promises of God. Thank you, Yahweh. Come on, you got anything else stirring up? You got something? Just say, just was feeling like God also is changing demeanor. Yes. Demeanor was like just thinking this that, you know, it's not just about this. I'm going to confess the word of God. It's the word of God we're confessing. It's not your good idea or just lining up with statistical truth and data. We're talking about the word of God. That should cause, I'm speaking the words of the creator. You were called as a creation to be a creator as well. And you get to, you get to partner with God. And so it's not so much just kind of, oh boy, oh boy, I hope this is true. It's not that. We're partnering in with the very spirit of truth. That's what Jesus said. It's the spirit of truth. Okay, and as that happens, demeanors are going to change around here. I'm telling you, you walk into places and, you know, everybody's like this. and uh, You know, but someone comes in and they don't even say a word. They just smile. Like, hey, it gives that like everything's all right. It's just even a psychological thing that happens, let alone in the family of God when we know we can be playful. We can know the heart of the Father. We can understand. We can walk in and like, ha you know, like, we're about to dominate the devil. We're about to dominate darkness. We're about to deliver and release destiny like just happened with Haley here. And see, that kind of thing happened just constantly. It's consistent because the people of God have a different mindset because their words have changed the way they think, the way they deal, and the way they do, and the way they create. And I'm telling you, some of us, the challenge is, yes, our words, but also some of us, the challenge will be our demeanor. Where we just come in and say, I'm just going to smile tonight. And I'm going to be amen. I'm just going to, I'm going to go over to that brother and just like, hey, man, even if you're not feeling it, you just start stirring up courage in people's hearts and say like, come on, Carol, it's going to be awesome. You know, yeah, it's going to be great. Or yeah, oh man, just smiling and, and going around and, and, and releasing that too. You know, does that make sense? I think it's, it's a whole, it's a persona of faith. And the other thing was just, the, the, it also just a playful heart that, that can come in joy. You know, as we begin to speak and prophesy these words out, it's going to change our mindsets to the point where we just, where we have hope and where we have joy. We can come in. It's like victory's ours. And, you know, it'll sustain you. It'll sustain you. The word of life sustains us and causes joy in our hearts. So that's my prayer is that, yes, it's in word, in deed, in demeanor, but also the strength of God would come in just a place of faith and joy. Amen. Thank you.
Listen to this scripture. Ecclesiastes 8 says, Who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? A person's wisdom, listen, brightens their face and changes its heart appearance. Even the wisdom of God changes your demeanor. You walk in in the serenity of God, the peace of God, the gladness of the kingdom. When we start walking in the ways of God, man, we get tender and we're beautified. God beautifies the humble. It's glorious. Anasio. Family, I, 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 yeah. Does everybody say amen? I'm telling you, this will transform you. It really will transform you. So beautiful. Lord, every one of us, train us in godliness. Train us in your ways. Lord, we love you. We, we just thank you for today. Customize this for each one. I pray for that light to continue to shine upon our hearts and our minds as we go forth. May the word of the Lord find entrance into our lives and bring light. Illuminate the darkened places. We would see clearly and walk on a straight path. Walk in the highway of the Lord. Walk in the grace of God. We thank you for today. We thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you that your kingdom reigns, your purposes reign. We thank you, Jesus. May we hear your voice over our lives.